Welcome to the Rust Belt Rundown, brought to you by Rust Belt Recruiting. This podcast is designed to shine a light on the meaningful work being done in Northeast Ohio and the surrounding region. We will convene manufacturing executives and Northeast Ohio business leaders for candid discussions about their business, regional happenings, industry trends, entrepreneurship, and more. Now, let's get running on The Rundown. Welcome, everyone, to episode 28 of the Rust Belt Rundown, a Rust Belt recruiting production. I am your host, Paul O'Connor, and we're super excited to be kicking off 2022 with Jacob Daruski, the Vice President of Strategy and Research at Team NEO. Jacob, welcome to the Rundown, man. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. So um, we've had a colleague of yours uh, from Team NEO on earlier last year. I think most people listening to this are familiar with Team NEO, but tell us what's one thing that your organization does for the community that people or businesses may not be aware of? Yeah, um, so it's always hard to narrow it down to one, but I'll, I'll put it into to two buckets if that's okay. Yeah. <clears throat> the first is uh, we're really here to help businesses grow. Um, when you think about the role that we play in the community, what we try to do is all about helping businesses grow and thrive in Northeast Ohio. So if you're a company that's here today, if you're a company that's outside of the market, that's maybe thinking about making a new investment, we're here to provide resources and that can be incentives, that can be data. Um, it can be a lot of different things that can help companies make investments. Northeast Ohio is a great place to do business. Um, but sort of complementary to that, we're also thinking about strategic initiatives that can help sort of uh, companies thrive in Northeast Ohio's economic environment. So think about things like talent or site development, or even uh, when we think about the future of technology and manufacturing 4.0, very much developing strategies to help align around those and help companies understand the role that they play and the role that we can assist in in helping about those things. Got it. Um, You mentioned the labor force and talent. We're going to talk about that a ton this episode. So let's jump into that. Um, obviously much has been said about the labor force over the past few years. Uh, what challenges does Cleveland specifically face within the labor force in 2022? And then what are kind of some, like you mentioned, initiatives or strategies that team Neo is doing to help? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, to this, uh, not to, not to give, uh, listeners a history lesson, uh, because no one wants that, but the, no, that's uh, what I we think, want. That's what we want. Okay, well, yeah, okay. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to a couple of decades, actually. And a part of the challenge that we face as Northeast Ohio is that um, we have faced over the past, call it 30 years or so, uh, overall declining population. Uh, Now it's mild, you know, we're not losing people in huge chunks, but we are seeing declines, Uh, declining labor force, a declining uh, and aging workforce as well. And it's particularly acute in sectors like manufacturing, which matter a great deal here still. So one of the things, talent strategies we have to recognize, I think is it's critical that we're not gonna grow our way out of this, right? Um, And that uh, we have to think about alignment here in the most in-demand sectors of the economy. For us, that means things like healthcare, manufacturing, IT, where we see in any given year, 50 to 55,000 jobs going unfilled. So to, to think about it from a sort of a level setting perspective, We've had issues that we've dealt with now for a couple of decades that we can't just simply change overnight. 
what that means is connecting more people here to more opportunities in the community. So how do I sort of expand on that? Well, what we've seen is that over the past five years, those three key areas, manufacturing, healthcare, and IT um, in that gap um, have been, been disproportionately underrepresented by communities of color and women. Um, so, so what we need to think about more is how do we connect everyone to opportunities in the community? And how do we think about alignment within the, the workforce that we have here today? And that's gonna be critically important. Um, you asked a question about what we're doing about it. And uh, there are a few things that we're trying to do. One is I think the basis for you know, a, a big portion of this conversation, we try to inform uh, the way the community thinks about it. We put out a series of reports uh, annually, one called Aligning Opportunities, which looks at the supply demand mismatch between what businesses need and the credentials we're producing. One called Misaligned Opportunities, which looks at that through an eye of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Excuse me. And then one called Lost Opportunities, which looks at that with an eye toward gender. Um, and a big portion of what we think we can do in the talent space and, and our team can do at Team Neo is inform that conversation and give people a common way to think about the problem. Uh, and I think that becomes incredibly important as you think about strategy alignment and how we all think about our partners, thinking about these in a consistent way. And I would say the good news is over the past five or six years that we've been doing that, people have gravitated toward a common way to think about the definition of the problem. Um, the second is, uh, given what we do in our role regionally, is trying to get people to think more about sort of the regional talent ecosystem and how it all syncs together. Um, you know, I'll give you a, a very practical example, but day to day, we work with a lot of companies. And if a company comes to us and says, hey, I need 200 software developers in the next three years, can you produce them? And they're only looking at Cuyahoga County or Geauga County or or Lake County, um, it's not necessarily demonstrating that we have the talent pool that's accessible in a way that can build the talent that they need over time. Um, so selling the 18 counties, the 25 colleges and universities, the entire talent ecosystem through our Talent Development Council effort, which is bringing together higher education, business partnership, as well as sector partnerships to have a common conversation about what we do to, to drive solutions and then, you know, I would say the last two things are one, uh, Team Neo is the Jobs Ohio partner for the for Northeast Ohio. So Jobs Ohio, for folks who might not be familiar, um, represents the state in terms of economic development, very unique privatized economic development system where they're partner here in Northeast Ohio. They offer, uh, you know, tax credits, grants, um, uh, consulting services for companies looking to take on training. And then we're trying to partner with folks locally here so Junior Achievement, College Now, Youth Opportunities Unlimited, to take all this messaging, which admittedly can be a little academic and maybe a little focused toward business and higher education, and think about how we spread that towards sixth through 12th graders through you know, teachers and administrators of, of uh, young people, and um, really starting to think about connecting with people at a very, very earlier point in time to make impact in some of these areas. So, a lot to break down there. I, I, I wanted to touch on the point. So you, you mentioned you're not going to grow your way out of it, right? You have, you've, you've seen a declining population over the last few decades. Um, I think I remember looking at the census data for Ohio, and I think Columbus was the only, in the last 10 years, I think Columbus was the only one that showed a positive population growth in the entire, maybe Cincinnati too. I can't remember, but there wasn't many. So it's not just a Cleveland issue. Um, but I guess my question is, I mean, 
it, it may not even be a question, more of a statement, like your jobs are even that much more important because if you're not necessarily able to grow your way out of it, like a city like Miami or Austin is where people all of a sudden are in these cold climates, paying a lot of money for these things. They say, you know what? I'm leaving California. I'm leaving New York. I'm going somewhere warmer. And so those cities could just grow quickly. So if, if Cleva doesn't have that, it almost puts even more emphasis on what you guys do because it seems as if you need to attract younger people by jobs and businesses. So people will move to Cleveland if there's a new Google factory or there's a new, you know, X, Y, Z. Is that, am I thinking about that the right way? Yeah, Paul, you're absolutely thinking about the right way. Um, and uh, that's sort of where the phrase, we can't grow our way out of this comes from. And you're absolutely right. When you think about us compared to a market like Columbus, Columbus has very, very different sort of population dynamics that they're dealing with. Um, and so you have an element of growth by inertia, right? I mean, you just have more people entering the labor force and the market over time. We don't have that. We actually have a bit of the opposite, which is people leaving in some element of it. So it becomes, how do we think about the people who are here today? But also, how do we think about keeping more of the people who come here for reasons like higher education, right? When you think about our student population base, we keep about 47% of the students who go to school here in Northeast Ohio which actually compared to some of our peer metros, think about a Chicago or a Pittsburgh or a Columbus even, isn't that bad uh, from a percentage standpoint, but how do we offer them opportunities to show that while they're here, Northeast Ohio is an attractive place to stay, to start a career, to start a family. And I think that's all part of the pitch that we have to make. And I think that's what's uh, fundamentally a part of what we're trying to do differently is when we think about talent pools, it's not just you know worker job, it's now, well, what about that adult learner who stopped out of school, right? And uh, how do we connect them back to an opportunity? Uh, it's that student who's here and we have them captive for two to four years. Okay, so how do we think about keeping them here and selling them on Northeast Ohio? And then it's sort of that longer term question about how do we think about talent attraction? How do we think about bringing people back into the market? I'll give you one example of that um, that is, relevant to something that's coming up this year. In fact, in the next couple of months, we've been closely with Destination Cleveland, uh, who does a lot of the travel tourism work in uh, Ohio, um, on a conference that they're focused on, which is looking at women in cybersecurity. So we have somewhere from eight to 900 uh, young students, all women, um, coming here who are all majoring in cybersecurity. How do we take advantage of that and say, hey, Northeast Ohio is a place that needs your skills, that needs your talent, and also give them an opportunity to understand that this isn't just, you know, somewhere to come and, and attend a conference for three days, but sell them on the, all the possibilities that Northeast Ohio gives them uh, for what it is that we need. And in return, you know, hopefully uh, attract a, a talented pool of candidates here that can help drive the economy forward. So you said, it, was it 47%? Of yep. okay, so yep. I gotta imagine that you know you're not. Of course, would you want it to be eighty percent? Yeah, of course. But what is the difference between getting it from forty-seven to like fifty-four? The long-term effects on the city must be profound, you know. And that's probably I I don't want to say probably, but that's probably a realistic goal and where you're trying to get right because that's thousands of students that stay. That's absolutely right. So we did. Um, if you just think about. Just for, for simple math purposes, you know, 47, let's go to 57%. Um, we would keep an additional 2,500 educated bachelor's plus students here in Northeast Ohio in every, any given year. 
And so think about the, the sort of compounding impact of that over the course of a decade or so. You're talking potentially, you know, 25,000 plus new bachelor's plus educated workers. Yep. Why is that yep. so important? Well, for a couple of reasons. One, um, we know that that some type of credentialing doesn't have to be a bachelor's, but it can be a, a certificate, a, an associate's, a bachelor's degree, or, e, or even higher, a, a graduate degree, um, is increasingly important to compete in the labor market. So that's growing in demand. Um, but second is Northeast Ohio, frankly, compared to some of the markets that we look at, has struggled in that area, particularly. So thinking about growing and keeping that captive audience here, and I, you know, I always hesitate to use the phrase captive audience, but I think in many ways that's what it is. You've got an audience of, of students and people who are here. Keeping them here could be highly influential to the way we think about the future of the economy and the way we think about the future of talent alignment and, and, and demand in the economy overall. Yeah, and, and I think uh, overall, one thing that Ohio continues to have on its side um, and now, look, there are challenges, of course, but but affordable housing, you know, you, you can move to Ohio like, I, you know, my wife and I moved from New York a year ago um, and we were able to purchase a home in six months. And don't get me wrong. I mean, it was a tough time to buy a home. Very competitive. Prices were up, but still compared to the rest of the country and some of these larger markets, you can still do it. Um, and I think that's super important in cities like Cleveland, Cincinnati, Columbus, to make sure that there are options across the board, whether you're looking for a high-end home or your first starter home, um, to continue to attract those that talent pool. That's absolutely right. So one of the things that we sell when we go out and talk to companies, particularly companies that aren't in the market, is that cost of living element mm -hmm. to what we do here. Um, and I think, you know, you said you you came from New York, uh, you probably got sticker shock, but your your savings account probably looks a bit better today than it did six months ago. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's that's a part of the value proposition that we offer is it's not just about supply chains and the industry base that we have here. All that's critical, but it's also about quality of life and how far you can stretch that dollar um, and making sure that people have opportunities to connect into family sustaining wage jobs. Uh, you know, jobs that pay a good wage. And there are a lot of those out there. And so I think at the core of a lot of what we're talking about is, you know, how do we connect people to those opportunities? And then how do we take advantage of those assets that we have here in the community? And like you said, a lot of that for us becomes a, what we would call a business attraction or talent attraction opportunity. It's if you're a company who's operating in California or New York or Boston in a coastal area where uh, the cost of living and the cost of doing business is significantly higher. Certainly given everything that's happened over the past 18 to 24 months and the shift towards, uh, you know, much more of a virtual workforce, um, we have a value proposition to sell, which is you can do it a lot more inexpensively here um, without necessarily the costs that are associated with, with some of those markets. Yep. Um, okay, so let's switch gears a little bit. Um, in the limited time that the uh, newly minted BIB administration has been tabbed to lead the city, um, what has teams Neo, Team NEO's relationship looked like with them? Uh, so we'll start there. And then with uh, Valerie McCall's international affairs function being eliminated in City Hall, how do you think Team NEO can help to fill that void? Yeah, so two things. Uh, we've had early engagement with uh, Mayor Bibb's administration. Uh, so we've we've met with him. Um, I think uh, what we would say is they're thinking a lot about strategy alignment. 
And for the work that we do in representing the region overall, uh, we tend to go, but make no mistake, you know, the city of Cleveland and the recognition of that is incredibly important in the work that we do. But we also see ourselves as sort of a patchwork of communities throughout Northeast Ohio. And what I think is critically important um, to having these types of conversations with public officials is making sure that we have good, strong strategy alignment so that what the city is doing aligns with the region and aligns with the state. And so we're all in sync. And so the city's not doing something that is counter to what we're doing or any city is doing that's counter that we're doing. And that we're aligned with the way Jobs Ohio is thinking about that and the state of Ohio is thinking about that as well. So I would say, um, you know, it's very, very early on in the uh, uh, Mayor Bibbs administration, but we've had great conversations with him so far, um, but also look forward to continuing to build out that network. And that's one of the things that we've actually focused on as one of our, our strategy priorities is building a highly inclusive network that includes everybody, right? Because if you're a company uh, and you're thinking about coming here from Chicago, right? And think about a, a very real example that happened several years ago. Nestle closed their frozen foods division in Chicago, decided to move to Northeast Ohio. You know, they were looking at multiple places, multiple communities. And to the people making those decisions, um, there were a lot of factors that go into where they ultimately live. It, it was Solon on the east side of, uh, east side of Cleveland that they, they ended up going. But there are a lot of folks in contention and making sure we have a system that's aligned to be able to respond to those opportunities, uh, you know, is, is incredibly important to us. So I would say that's takeaway one. To your second point about international work, um, we have had for uh, several years now, someone who's very, very much dedicated to uh, FDI, foreign direct investment and new international investment in the community. So um, one of the things um, that, that we've prioritized over time is how do we think about new international investment opportunity in Northeast Ohio? And I think what the pandemic has done has really shifted the way we're thinking about reshoring onshoring opportunities. When you saw supply chain disruptions, for instance, you know, personal protection equipment, PPE, was probably the most noticeable to most people. Couldn't find the hand sanitizer, couldn't find um, some of the, the elements that we needed to make it through that. But it stretches far beyond that to things like aluminum shortages and the challenges that we saw even in the food and beverage manufacturing industry and others. And we certainly see it in the chip industry, right? And as it relates to automobiles and other things. Um, so we have an opportunity now uh, with the work that we do to have a dedicated focus on attracting new international opportunities. And I think in a post-pandemic environment, that's only gonna become more attractive to, to how we think about shoring up supply chains here locally. Um, I'm always, this, this is the question I've been looking forward to the, the most of this episode, but so your role has a major focus on data and research. So it's a two-part question. Um, so every morning, do you wake up and check a dashboard or like, are you checking very specific particular numbers that you're reviewing? And then, so that's part one. And then part two is what data do you and your team review when a potential business is looking to move to Cleveland, which is, could be a, that's a tough question too. Yeah. So internally we have a dashboard that, that is focused on uh, a few different things that, that we are, are very cognizant of on a daily basis. One, it's looking at our project pipeline. And the way we think about that is who are the number of companies opportunities that we have 
at any given point in time that we can influence to try to make investments here. And that number can range from, you know, several dozen to several hundred, depending on the time of year, depending on when we're doing it. But we're looking at the opportunity, we're looking at the industry, we're looking at the needs of those companies. So highly, highly cognizant of who's in the pipeline, the companies that are exploring Northeast Ohio and what we need to do to convert those deals. And we always have an eye toward deal making. And the way we tend to think about that from a project perspective is around jobs, payroll and capital. So how many jobs potentially could be created? Um, what would the new payroll be associated with that? So, you know, are, are these good uh, in terms of wages associated with those jobs? And then how do we think about capital investment? So, you know, I'll give you an example of that. We saw a lot of investment in the Mahoning Valley area around some of the shale opportunities there. Not a lot of jobs, but very, very heavy capital investment, multi-billion dollar capital investment opportunities, which are also great for the community because of the multiplier impact that they have. And they bring in new jobs and new supply chain and new opportunity from other places. So I would say consistently, when we think about sort of the daily dashboard that Team Neo overall, not just the research team, thinks about, those are the key factors that we're looking at from a day-to-day -day perspective. When we think about the research team work that we do, we're sort of focused on um, the very short term, what companies need to make investment decisions. So it's thinking about demographics, it's thinking about labor force, it's higher education pools, it's wages, it's supply chain opportunities. It's anything a company needs to make a smart investment decision here in Northeast Ohio, but also very much focused throughout the year on sort of those more strategic initiatives and those more strategic pillars that we can influence. So I talked about the talent ones. Uh, we also think about commercialization roadmaps and what we can do to influence the future of Industry 4.0. So we've looked at over the past uh, two, two and a half years, new strategies around the industrial internet of things, as well as additive manufacturing or 3D printing. They can really be transformative to our manufacturing base here overall. So it's for us, sort of as a research team, it's trying to prioritize the day-to-day, -day, which tends to be very data-heavy, with also thinking about the strategic future of what we can what we can do, and in fact, something we'll be rolling out uh, in late February is a new uh, new mechanism where we're developing to think about that called the Vibrant Economy Index, uh, and the Vibrant Economy Index is really intended to show the interdependence between so many things in Northeast Ohio, like talent, like equity, like innovation, like resiliency, and how all of those drive outcomes like GDP and employment and growth over time. So it's not just thinking about how are we doing from an outcome perspective, it's also starting to think about how are we doing in terms of those action items. You know, we talked about, excuse me, uh, the some college piece of it versus the bachelor's plus attainment. You know, we can influence that here. And so it's taking those elements and starting to think through a lens of strategy alignment, data alignment, and then sort of how we have, I call it sort of tongue in cheek nerd nirvana. But how do we have cascading metrics? You know, how do we think about what Summit's doing and Cuyahoga County is doing and Mahoney Valley is doing? How do they all add up in a way that makes sense? And that we then know sort of our individual roles we can play in influencing those metrics over time. Okay, so you mentioned the pipeline. How, what is the percentage breakdown of like inbound leads versus outbound prospecting? Like, are you guys going out and just sending out feelers to different companies saying, hey, look, this is what it would look like if you moved to Cleveland, or are you taking, is it more intake inbound? 
Yeah, so I'll answer it in a, a slightly different way, if that's okay. So yeah, yeah. we tend to think about it as in-region versus out-of-region companies that we okay. contact. And we have people focused on both of those things. So if Got you it. think about in-region, in-region tends to be, so existing companies here looking to make an expansion, think the new Sherwin-Williams headquarter deal, right? Those are about 80% of the projects that we touch, 80 to yeah. 85%. The attraction opportunities, bringing a new company in from outside the region, tend to be about 15 to 20% of what we touch. So we absolutely have people focused on outside the market who are going out, contacting people in those markets that are most important, and selling the Northeast Ohio story. But a lot of the growth that we see does still tend to come from uh, companies that are here in the region today. So a big priority for us is going out and calling on those most important companies. So we have a list that our team calls on in any given year that's over a thousand companies uh, that they touch base with to get a sense of how they're doing, how they're thinking about new investments potentially. We call it BRE, which stands for Business Retention Expansion Calls. Um, but a strong majority still of the growth that we see comes from within the system here. And we do that honestly with, with the local partners that you alluded to like the city of Cleveland, but also with partners like the Greater Cleveland Partnership, right? who has very much a heavy corporate membership focus, um, but also has uh, a heavy advocacy focus and can help advocate for new policies that companies need to, to make investments here. So, you know, there's a lot of synergy that happens in the system and a lot of it still takes place locally here. So you would think um, organizations like Team Neo would have existed since the beginning of time, but you know, you guys got your start in 2003 what did cities, you know, specifically Cleveland, do before organizations like Team Neo existed to attract businesses? Was it just random? I, so I, I wouldn't call it random necessarily, but I would say it was it was probably less aligned. Mm -hmm. And a part of the creation of Team Neo, you know, to represent it, I always use this data point because I think it's really interesting. Think about we have an 18 county footprint. We have Cleveland, Akron, Canton, and Youngstown, so four relatively large metropolitan areas, all within about 90 minutes of one another. You don't see that in many places. And if you think about a drive from Cleveland to Akron, you know, if, if you do it in rush hour, it's probably 40 to 45 minutes. If you do it speeding at two o'clock in the afternoon, it's probably 35 minutes. And that's geographically about the same distance from San Francisco to San Jose. I've done that drive. I've done it in rush hour. It takes about two and a half hours. <laughs> so a part of the value proposition we have to sell is that we have so many proximate metros so close together. The challenge that brought with it historically is that companies didn't understand, you know, a single point of entry. If, if they were sort of agnostic to whether they need to be in Cleveland or Akron or, you know, Canton or Youngstown, and they were just kind of generally thinking about Northeast Ohio, they didn't want to navigate a lot of different areas. So part of Team Neo's was being a single point of entry so that we could then have those conversations with communities and, and understand where's the best place, where's the best prop. When, you know, a company has very, very specific requests. They're asking, I need to be within 15 minutes of a major highway or 10 minutes of, of a port or you know, 20 minutes of a freight line. So those are the types of questions very tactically that we're dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis. So our sort of reason for being was to help streamline that process. But that said, a lot of our community partners, our county partners still do a lot of important heavy lifting 
uh, as it relates to things like uh, uh, business traction, going outside the market, making the case. What I would say is that um, over the past almost 20 years, at least since, since Team Neo has been formed, um, I keep getting back to this strategy alignment. We've seen such a high degree of alignment with our partners in the community. And that is so incredibly important that we're consistent messaging, consistent way of thinking about calling, uh, consistent way of thinking about the industries that matter most here. And that to me is, as we think about the next five to 10 years, can be important to our success our success overall. How has Cleveland approached the changes we've seen in remote work? Um, specifically, how has this affected the commercial real estate in downtown areas? You know, for in Columbus, for example, um, we've seen a ton of office buildings getting transitioned to condos, um, which, you know, I don't know if that's for better. We, we you know, I don't know yet. Um, it kind of has a it shows that maybe businesses aren't coming back, but then it also shows, okay, well, we're investing in people to live down here. So there will be more businesses anyway. So what is it, what does it look like in Cleveland? Yeah. So uh, from a, from a Cleveland market perspective, I think um, it's, it's too early to sort of definitively say where that commercial office space is headed. Um, certainly seeing some com- uh, conversion to uh, apartments, condos, things like that. Um, and certainly have seen a huge building boom as it relates to some of our urban areas, particularly um, in that space. And I would expect that trend to continue. The problem is that value proposition is very different. You know, what, what a property owner gets from a company who's leasing a space versus a tenant who's leasing a, leasing a space are sort of two different, uh, different ways of thinking about usage. So I think we still have to figure that out um, I think we're seeing, you know, uh, from early, early discussions with companies, companies definitely thinking more about sort of permanent or semi-permanent uh, remote environments. So I don't think that's going anywhere, yep. but also companies thinking more strategically about where they should be located and, and how they think about location decisions. And so I'm pivoting on your question a bit because it's not just purely about commercial real estate. But I think there is a question to draw it back to the talent conversation that we started with, which is back to equity and, and diversity and how we include everyone in the labor force. We're having more and more conversations about where companies strategically need to think about being so they have accessible access. It's accessible access, probably not a great phrase. So they have access to um, a, a readily available workforce. So it's Companies thinking differently about things like transit access, right? Uh, are you on a bus line or a, a train line? Uh, thinking differently about existing infrastructure. So, you know, do you want to be in a greenfield, uh, you know, maybe in a exurban area, or do you want to be closer to some of your suppliers that you need uh, very easy, readily access, readily accessible, you know, uh, approaches to? So I think the whole way that companies are thinking about making investment decisions is shifting overall. Um, we work with a partner who's in uh, uh, the tech space. And one of the things that they've said is they went from a very suburban location to a urban uh, location in just the outskirts of downtown Cleveland. And that they've seen their pool of minority candidates grow by 15 to 20% because of that. Um, because they're along a transit route, because they have more walkability. So it's not just sort of the issue of what do we do with the existing? I think it's also how do companies now think differently about what investment decisions look like in a post-pandemic environment? 
And then I'll offer you sort of the, the other side to that that's a challenge. We also are dealing with, you know, highly talented individuals here in Northeast Ohio who want to be here and who want to stay here, who are dealing with remote work environments being poached by companies, you know, uh, far and away from Northeast Ohio. So yep. a separate firm who had two people poached within the past six months or so from coastal firms who came in, offered them significantly more money. That coastal firm is still, you know, saving dollars on what they would pay a local resident in San Francisco or Boston, um, but gaining a, a very qualified employee to do the job. We keep a resident, but the company is losing a worker. So I think that's going to be part of the dynamic we have to deal with too in kind of a post-pandemic environment as well is, is how companies are thinking about sourcing talent. And, uh, you know, the, the other side to that is there's a huge rising wage component that we're seeing right now that some companies are struggling to deal with. I mean, nominal wages in sectors like leisure, hospitality, retail, uh, you're talking 15 to 20% and up um, year over year gains in wages that, that, that folks are having to deal with. And while maybe your major corporations can take that hit and think about automation and technology, some of your smaller businesses are struggling to deal with that in the short term. So that's gonna be an issue as well. Okay, so you mentioned transit lines really quick. Um, are we going to get the Amtrak? Uh, I don't know, um, honestly. It, I know. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I'm not sure uh, what the future of that, that Amtrak uh, proposal looks like. We tend not to be as directly involved in that. Um, groups like NOACA, who do more of the, the transportation planning, uh, tend to be more involved in those conversations. Um, you know, as, as someone who personally, uh, my wife and I moved to the west side of Cleveland on a street that has uh, uh, train access at the end of it to get us downtown. Um, that was important to us. So, you know, fingers crossed, I would say, uh, yeah. more transit access to me is, is a good thing. Yeah. Um, but right. I don't have any great insights into whether it's coming or not. I was hoping we were going to be able to break some news this morning. Um, okay, last question. We'll get you out of here. Uh, we always just like to highlight some local um, Cleveland or just uh, Northeast Ohio uh, restaurants. So what's, uh, what's your favorite uh, breakfast, lunch, dinner spot? Um, totally up to you. What's, what's a good spot we need to visit? Absolutely. Um, so the one that would come to mind for uh, a bunch of reasons uh, would be Dante. Um, okay, that's a new one. Yeah, Dante uh, has been here for, he's a, a, a Michelin-starred chef out of New York, born and raised in Cleveland, traveled around the world, um, and uh, opened Dante here probably 15 years ago. Um, also has Ohio's absolute best sushi spot in the basement called Ginkgo, which is oh, attached wow. to a Japanese-style sushi restaurant. I, I say this saying Dante Bacuzzi, who is the head chef there, is, is a bit of a friend. Um, but we have never had a bad meal there. And it's where we've celebrated most of our, our special occasions. And you can actually sit in the kitchen, have a meal, and do wow. a 7, 14, or 21 course tasting. Um, if you 21 want to. is wild. 21 is wild. Uh, you better have several hours and a, a yeah. very empty stomach to do it. But uh, yeah, that'd be my pick. Wow. Awesome. Well, Jacob, listen, appreciate you coming on. This was great. Um, we'll have you on again soon, I'm sure. And best of luck with everything in 2022. And uh, yeah, thank you again. Yeah, Paul, thank you. Uh, appreciate the opportunity and uh, great chatting with you and stay healthy and have a great 2022. Yeah, you too. Talk to you soon. Mm -hmm.
Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Rust Belt Rundown. Make sure you check us out at rustbeltrecruiting.com. The Rust Belt Rundown is available wherever you listen to your podcasts. Make sure to hit that subscribe button and click on five stars if you enjoyed this episode. See you next time.